0: I'm Jerry Durham and I'm Andrew Rothschild and we are the Healthcare Disruption Podcast, bringing you information, ideas and thoughts from the outer edges of healthcare and sometimes even from outside of healthcare where the true changes will occur. What we believe is the singular focus on the patient will bring about the only true change in healthcare. Thank you for coming and enjoy today's show. All right, welcome back to the Healthcare Disruption Podcast. I'm Jerry Durham, and uh, running solo today without my sidekick, Andrew Rothschild. Again, as I mentioned, sometimes it's hard to coordinate the uh, East Coast, West Coast thing, but um, so that's where we are today. Today, I am happy to have on a gentleman I met about a year, maybe a year plus ago, and his name is Andrew Virtson. He owns and runs PT Clinic Metrics and I constantly refer to Andrew Vertson as the numbers guy. And um, I'm gonna let Andrew tell you a little more about his history, but um, I think we should get right into this. You can call him the numbers guy, the data guy, the metrics guy, whichever you prefer, but I don't know which one you prefer, Andrew. Which, which one would you prefer?
1: I kinda like the numbers guy. All right, I, I, I like the sound of that. Good, good. So yeah, I, I think
0: everybody uh, probably tuning in right now is tuning in for a couple reasons, and one of them being they have self-awareness around the fact that they don't know their numbers for their business. They understand they need to know the numbers for their business and yet they don't know where to turn. So that's why I thought it'd be great to have Andrew on today. And yes, you probably will get my dogs barking in the background. That's the beauty of this podcast. So I apologize. But um, Andrew, why don't you tell us your story? Uh, tell us about your practice down in Orange County and a little bit about you and how you got into this.
1: Great. Well, Jerry, thanks for having me on, first of all. And I I closed my door so my dog will be outside. You might hear him whimpering outside the door, but that's okay. Uh, You know, been a PT for 21 years and always knew that I wanted to get into private practice and own private practice. Uh, Opened my first one a little over 18 years ago, right after the birth of my twin daughters. And uh, that took off. And at the time, I was measuring what I thought I needed to measure: uh, evaluations, visits, cancel no show rate. It didn't matter because everything was great. We were having patients at left and right, making money, so it didn't bother me. Uh, about ten years ago, opened Intacor Physical Therapy. Intacor. We currently have four offices in Orange County. And when I opened Intacor, I kind of kept using my same management style and techniques and was managing those three specific metrics. Every week would look at evals, cancellation, no-show rate, and visits. Once insurance started to change and reimbursements started to get cut and the healthcare world started to go topsy-turvy, needed to figure out what the heck was going on in my practice. I, I felt I couldn't get over that proverbial hump. Started to reach out, get some help, worked with some consultants. And that's really where I started to, to delve into the metrics. And it's been a night and day difference. And today, I completely manage my practice based on metrics. And in fact, yesterday, I had an eight hour management meeting with my three clinic managers, my front desk manager. And the first two hours, all we talked about were the metrics of the business. We talked about, yes, we talked about our evals and our visits, but what's our dollar per visit? What are all the deeper metrics that actually run the practice? And it has made a tremendous difference in how I manage the employees, and I've been able to completely step away from the day to day operations of the practice and how the employees then manage their employees, how the managers, I should say, manage their employees, because instead of the subjective, hey, you didn't do this right, you didn't do that right, it's the objective, hey, these are your numbers. You're not hitting your productivity. Your visits per deval are not where they're expected to be. You're not, your dollars per visit are not where they're expected to be. It makes it significantly easier to manage the employee objectively, especially when it comes to performance reviews. When they come in and and ask for a raise, a perfect example, one of my managers has a performance review to do today, and I talked about the employee and the basic metrics that were expected for her to hit and that she didn't hit. It makes it very simple to have that discussion with an employee. So that's what got me into numbers.
0: Yeah. there's. You bring up a couple of good thoughts. Um, Well, we're about five, six minutes into this podcast. So I think probably should have prefaced this at the beginning, but I'll say it now, that profit is not a bad word. And that I always put profit in the context of of that's what gets uh, better benefits for my employees. That's what allows me to increase vacation days. That's what allows uh, the business to grow, that's what allows us to get better equipment, that's what allows you to get a raise. Um, so all kinds of good things come out of that profit. So if you're thinking profit is a bad word or is not necessary to run a successful business, whether it's for profit or non for profit, then it might be a good idea to turn this podcast off at this point. Um, so we can leave that at that, but profit. And I want to bring back something else you finished with Andrew and let you expand on. The word I like a lot is accountability. And it seems in my past, we've
1: lacked accountability. Can you go into that a little bit? Sure. You know, I, even myself, they, you know, when, when I was managing the employees, yes, the accountability w- was never there. The employee came in, it, it, and I'll back the train up just a little bit to kind of piggyback on what you were talking about with the profit, Jerry. Unfortunately, we as physical therapists, we go into practice, it's a physical therapy practice. And our mentality is that it's a physical therapy practice. All we have to do is practice physical therapy. No, you own a physical therapy practice that provides physical therapy to the patients. And as the owner, it's your responsibility to run the business. And so, as a physical therapy practice, All you care about is getting patients treated and kind of nothing else. Whether you have patients or not, whether the patients are getting treated correctly or not, that's irrelevant. You're just getting patients treated. But when you're a business owner providing physical therapy, what you actually do is you now have to measure your employees to ensure they're providing care correctly, ensure they're providing quality care, ensuring that you're. Your patients are actually happy customers, and in order to do that, you have to measure, and that's where the accountability comes in. And I I used to dread doing performance reviews, and you know I I wouldn't do them, (laughs) wouldn't do them until the the employee asked for them. And once we really started measuring the statistics and setting down the goals and expectations of each employee, and each employee has expectations from. The therapist, to the marketer, to the front desk, all the way down, they all have expectations that are measured in a week, month, year. And so now, when it comes time to do a performance review, these are your expectations. Did you meet them or not? Yes or no, plain and simple. That determines what you're going to get as a raise. That determines if you're going to continue to work for us. Because unfortunately, many people just want to punch the clock. And as a business owner, you need more than a clock puncher. And I, again, I think that, that physical therapy practice owners need to think of their business like General Electric, like Ford, like GM, like any other company. Profit is the key. Profit is what will allow you to grow. Profit is what will allow you to succeed. Profit will, is what will allow you to treat more people, which ultimately is why you're in the business.
0: Yeah, that's uh, all a great point. Yeah, that growth, as I like to tell people, it allows you to serve more people in your community, uh, plain and simple. And if you want to serve a greater good, then there has to be money to do it. And again, I will use that word not-for-profit because I've seen that poke up a lot. You still got to pay employees if you're not-for-profit. Right. You still got to pay uh, rent. You still got to pay an electrical bill. So having these numbers is key. And again, I want to go back to the accountability a little bit with uh, on the employer side too employee side, you know, I see it as an opportunity for employees instead of going, you know, we have all these numbers and they have nothing to do with patient care. I think that's a great opportunity for an employee to look at these numbers and ask questions. How do these tie in, you know, and then you can sit down with them. You can explain to them, this is how we do this. This is why we do this. And I think um, then we have a better understanding and we're going to have a more engaged employee. You're going to have a more engaged owner. Um, I think nothing but good things come out of measuring this. So that's all that's a great good. point. Let me um, let me ask you this. So let's go back to the beginning. You talked about your beginning. I want to share my beginning just for some context because I want you to dive into this. Sure. I am not a numbers guy. I partnered up with someone who was a numbers guy because even though I wasn't a numbers guy, I realized from day one, we needed a numbers guy. And I love right. that term. So I did that. What I will give myself credit for, is like you, when I first opened my practice, I understood that I needed, there were some basic measures I needed to do. And I pulled out, this was, by the way, about 17 years ago, pulled out an Excel spreadsheet, made a left-handed column called expenses, <laughs> made a right-handed column called revenue. And I, and I brought everything down and got down to that number. And without knowing it, I was creating a cost per visit and a revenue per visit sheet. Right. So that I knew where I had to start from before I opened my doors. So, based on that, and and that helped me. That helped me to define some: how many new patients did I need to get? Right? How many right. visits did I need to get a month? What did I need to do on the marketing side? So, based on all that, Andrew, let let's talk about a uh, brand new business owner or not quite a business owner. What are some recommendations or resources that you would tell
1: people of where they need to start with the basic? basics i'll leave it sure. at that okay you know first thing as a as a business owner the first thing they need to understand is you have to spend a little bit of money um i i hate to say it but i i think that pts as a whole we tend to be cheap we tend to <gasps>
0: i'll agree with you on that
1: <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to say we half-ass it but when it comes to certain business aspects we do we're, we're, we're too afraid to spend the money. So first thing you need to do is sit down and pay $1,000 and talk to a lawyer about what type of practice you have to have. Uh, you know, typically, most PTs come out and they, they do a sole proprietorship. Well, that's great if you're going to be a single owner with no employees or a single owner with one employee. But as you start to grow, that sole proprietorship is not the right type of corporation you need to be. I've had this conversation with clients, I've talked to a number of lawyers, I've talked to a number of accountants, and honestly, to be a good business, you have to be a corporation. It has levels of liability, it has levels of uh, accountability for you, but also it has levels of protection for you. So first of all, spend a little money, hire an attorney, find out what your state practice act requires. So you gotta you actually have to hire a healthcare attorney, not just a general attorney. Secondly, talk to an accountant. Um, I see it over and over and over where PTs, PT practice owners, they do their own books. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, they don't do them right, and secondly, they probably don't even do them on a monthly basis. I'm guilty of it, honestly. I can sit here and tell you I went nine months without reconciling my bank accounts. And the only reason I did it is because I had the end of the year and I had taxes I got to take care of. Spend a couple hundred, spend $200 a month, $300 a month, and let a professional do it. Would you as a physical therapist expect your patient to go to a non-professional for physical therapy? So why the hell are you doing it with your books? Spend a couple hundred bucks. Get it done right. And when you do that, when you set up the right corporate structure, when you have an accountant who is reporting to you consistently what your profit or loss is, what your expenses are, they will give you a wealth of knowledge of how to better run your business. Because again, it's a business. It's not a practice. It's a business. So get involved with business people who can help you run your business. That's probably the the two biggest tips I would say to start a practice. And from there, you just, you need to think long-term.
0: On the, uh, on the, let me interrupt you on the, Uh, accounting thing because I want to see I I was thinking as you said an accountant will you go because I'm taking my own experience again will you tell us some of the questions because I have found that not all accountants are equal right so can you share with the listeners uh, current new business owners what questions? I actually went out and interviewed my accountants. Um, I did this after Frick, after being in business for 13 years. So can you tell some of the questions about an accountant? Because you, I'm going to say right now, you talked about a proactive accountant. There are proactive and there are tax filers. So yes. can you talk about that?
1: You know, first thing I would ask them is, are they familiar with healthcare? Because when you, when you go to an accountant and they and you talk about business the first thing they're going to talk about is cogs and cost of goods sold and some of these other things which don't really pertain to healthcare um so when it comes to accounting they all follow the same gap principles general accounting principles those are the same but you you first thing you need to ask is what experience do you have with healthcare businesses because that is a completely different world than a manufacturing, then a finance, some of this other stuff. Very first thing you need to ask. Um secondly, get a, a list of references from them. Get a list of those references in healthcare and talk to them and ask them what information they have actually what the accountant has given to them. I, I have two levels of accountants. I have my accountant bookkeeper and he and I every month spend at least an hour on the phone going through all the major metrics of my practice, talking about cancellation rates and talking about our productivity and talking about our cost per visit, talking about our payroll per visit, talking about the profit per visit. We spend an hour breaking all this stuff down and he actually sends me a two or three page document that breaks down each office and the high points, low points of this office, what areas I need to focus on as a business owner. A, a general accountant's not going to give you that. They're going to just give you your P&L and say, here you go. So make sure that you can spend an hour with them, and they can walk you through all aspects of the, yes, the P&L, but more so all aspects of the major metrics of, of the business as it pertains to you as a healthcare provider. My second accountant is the tax accountant. He files my taxes. That's it. We might have a a conversation about buying something, about writing something off. But for the most part, his job is to get the data, file the taxes. That's it. My primary, like I say, bookkeeper accountant specializes in physical therapy. And we have physical therapy business talks once a month.
0: Oh, that's excellent. That's exactly what I wanted to uh, to get for the listeners. Um, I learned that very late in my career, so I think it's a good thing to learn now. Now, will you go into maybe some of those metrics? What are the three, five, seven essential metrics to start with the day you open? Sure.
1: You know, first, yes, we need to measure evals, visits, and cancellations. Those are all important because evals are going to determine, are we getting the patients in the door Patients looking at patients versus evals to get a visit per eval ratio tells us if we're actually doing the job right and patients are following through with plan of care. Cancellation rate cancellation rate is probably one of the most overlooked metrics that most people do track, and you know national average I've heard is about ninety three percent, but I'll be honest with you I see most practices in the upper eighties. And you talk about every patient that's a cancel is 80 90 $100 of lost revenue that you will never get back. Period. End of story.
0: Hey, you know what, Andrew? I love that you brought that up because I actually like to double that. I tell everybody, how much does a no-show or cancel cost you? And they say, you know, whatever the slot is, $100. I say, right. it's $100, but what about the person you didn't put in there who would have showed up? Right. So, I, I almost say it's like a $200 swing, right? And well, it's just wait, an interesting point.
1: Really, it's almost a $250 swing because Now you're paying a therapist and the therapist benefits and taxes and everything else to sit there on their duff and do nothing. So even better, (laughs) even better. That's good. All right. Sorry. You know, it's part of our cancellation policy. It actually says it's, it says three people are, are hurt when you fail to show you as the patient, not getting your care. Another patient who could have come in and gotten their care and a physical therapist who's supposed to give you care. So three people get hurt. Uh, you know, one of the biggest things I see that people don't measure, and it's huge, is referrals. And I'll and I'll ask them, oh, you know, do you measure referrals? Oh, yeah, all of our referrals come in. How do you know? Well, uh, uh, we know they come in, really. Show me. And once they start to measure referrals and compare the number of referrals in a given period, whether it's a week or month, whatever, compare it to the actual number of evals, they realize that not all the referrals come in.
0: Hey, Andrew, can we clarify? Is a referral a contact with your office, someone calling to schedule? Is that how you're defining that?
1: We define a referral as somebody who either called, contact us, faxed in, walked in, somebody who is actively asking for physical therapy care, period. That is a referral. And I thought all my referrals were coming in. And I'll be honest, once I started measuring it, I fired my front desk because only about 90% of them were coming in. And I'm not talking nine out of 10. I'm talking 40 out of 50, 45 out of 60. I, it, it was a big number. And I started looking at the actual number of referrals. And then because I know my reimbursement per visit, because I know how many average visits per Naval, I started to calculate the value of that referral and again, the referral we 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 call it the the value of the new patient, but that's a bogus answer anyways. Because much like we talked about a minute ago with the cancellations, that new referral is not only eleven, twelve, thirteen hundred dollars lost, but what about the referrals that person can send? What about the reviews that person can put online? What other money is that person going to bring in? So to me, the value of the referral is infinite because that person could come in five, six, seven, eight times in their lifetime, can send two, three, four, five family members or friends. And, you know, you talk about the billboard patient. A billboard patient who is out in the community raving about your care is not worth $1,000. bucks. they are worth twenty-five or $30,000. And you don't know that because you didn't get that referral in the door. Yeah,
0: that's good, and I think any new business owner or someone not thinking that way, I think that's a that's a really important point. There, there's so much, even you know, to go. I'm going to go off on a tangent here, as I love to do, Andrew. If you're measuring referrals like that, I call it something differently, but we're going to stick with your term. Um, if you're measuring referrals, you learn from the people who didn't come in too. There's something to be learned. So that phone call that you say, well, they didn't schedule, we didn't need their info. There's information. They found your number, right? And they dialed your number. You need to know because I say that's the measure. And here we go. Uh, I wasn't even thinking about this when I brought it up, but that is the measure of your marketing dollars. So that's the ROI on your marketing. Yeah, yes. because they still called you. Remember, as we know, as you and I understand, the goal of marketing is to get the phone call. Sales right. needs to put them on the um, put them on the schedule. So that's a great point. So let me. We got referrals. We got evals. Our new patients. So, we got referrals, we got new patients, we got visits. What else do we need?
1: You know, other big things I look at we're an insurance based practice, so I look at charges. Um, you know, if you're a cash based practice, you should still be looking at charges because you want to ensure that in, in order to grow and scale, part of measurement is making sure your other employees are doing what they're supposed to be doing. So, when you're outside the office, not available, how do you know that person inside the office who's treating is doing what they're supposed to be doing? So we look at charges and then we look at collections. And so each week we have a specific charge amount. Each week we have a specific collection amount. We we look at these monthly also helps us determine our charge per visit. Are we on track when it comes with insurance based practices? I know the specific types of treatments that we provide. And this is what's made us successful, is the quality treatments we provide. So I can tell just by looking at charges per visit, are my therapists providing the treatment that they're supposed to be providing, or are they doing modalities? Are they not doing enough manual therapy, et cetera, and not providing the good care by just looking at that one number? What does that number come out to? And I measure this each week. With every employee, it's something I look at as the CEO, I look at that number with every employee and what is that average in the office, and I can then determine whether we're providing the right care, and if we're not, then I get a hold of the manager in that office and say, hey, you need to look at Sally because she's not billing what she's supposed to be. A, check her billing, B, check her notes. Make sure we're doing what we're supposed to do. Collections, are we getting the money coming in, in you probably will appreciate this, Jerry. When I started practice, I didn't collect co-pays. Yeah, I didn't dude. collect yeah, co-insurance. none of us did. None no. of us did. I'll own that right now. My God, <laughs> we just wanted to treat patients no, again. patients. We treat were, a, we we'll were get paid later. Exactly. But unfortunately, what people don't realize is, especially in the insurance game, eighty percent of your claim is going to get paid off the top.
0: Let me clarify, just so people understand on this podcast, and when I'm pitching the insurance game, if you want to be an out-of-network provider, we're talking insurance game. Um, yeah. The rules still apply on this metric side, so so don't don't be confused there, because I'm an out-of-network, fully out-of-network clinic collecting copays and coinsurances at the time of visit is a it's it by the way it's a KPI for my front desk. It's like we set it at 98% of everything because of the cash flow. So I just want to cl- clarify that yeah. everybody needs hey, to uh, know that.
1: My, my my co-pay KPI is hundred yeah. yeah, percent. Yeah. My co-insurance KPI is set at 80% just because you'll have Medicare patients or you know people that, that want to get their EOBs first. Okay. I respect that. So I set it at 80%. But even with a cash-based practice, I've run into people that are not collecting every visit.
0: Yeah, let's let's not be fooled here. So now we're back to we could go off on a tangent for two hours here. Now we're back to front desk. You hire, you hired and fired front desk based on arrival. Now copay collection. If you're running a pure cash based practice, or you're running a hybrid like mine, an out of network practice where you know it's out of network, there's some insurance a lot over the front desk. If you're not collecting that copay or coinsurance every visit then you've got issues you yep. have to do it and and you have to hire someone who's comfortable taking people's money and yes. we'll do a whole podcast on that another day
1: yeah cuz that 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 can be a 5 hour podcast right there on on the comfort level of money and, and it goes back to what we talked earlier with profit you know unfortunately when you're when you've got a 15 16 18 dollar an hour employee it's hard for them to ask for a 50 dollar copay because unfortunately, they take it personal well, I can't afford to pay a fifty dollar copay yep,
0: I actually uh, have helped some people with hiring front desk, and we talk about this projecting I call it, and how to uh how to help at least prep and screen for this during the interview process. And it's been um, it's been helpful in, in my process in just in trying to get to people's deeper understanding of the money and their feeling about handling money. So you're talking about collecting $50 co-pays. As um, a lot of the listeners will know, they are collecting 75 $80, 100 150 $200 a visit. So right. you better make sure and screen that front desk. Properly, yeah. and there are. By the way, don't be fooled, people. They are all out there. There are people that are happy to collect money to be part of something good, to be part of something that they understand that this service and these people are getting out of pain and reaching functional goals. They're out there. You just have to make sure you
1: uh, advertise properly. That's all. Yes, I agree. I completely agree. So, uh, look at, at at the collect. Look at the charges. Look at the cancellation or charges and collections because using visits using evals, we can determine what our charge per visit is, what our collection per visit is, and then taking that one step further, as you brought up earlier when you did this inexplicably in your practice, at the end of the month, when you have expenses, you're now able to break down expenses divided by visits, expense per visit. When you compare that to collections divided by visits, collection per visit, are you making profit or not? And that's where a cause and effect now comes into play. If your expenses are greater than your collections, what do you do? Well, the first thing people automatically run out and do is, oh my God, I got to cut all my staff.
0: Yeah, right. let's cut everything. God forbid we (laughs) drive revenue.
1: Exactly. Look at the top line first. Look at what you're driving in the door first. Get your marketing scaled up. Get the new patients in the door. Make sure they stay in the door. All those things that that will drive the top line revenue will then filter down and give you a better bottom line or better profit. Yeah,
0: I think that's really important. I'm so glad you said that. For um, well, I guess we'll go with anybody new or current business owners. I think um, it's funny. I keep bringing up new business owners because it's the current business owners I seem to run into the biggest roadblock with on some of this stuff. But you know, if if you're if at the end of the month you're short you know, the easiest solution is to actually find more patients, not fire people, right? Why wouldn't you drive the revenue? And that's what Andrew just said is that top line, the bottom line that, you know, your expenses, you know, cutting that now you, now you've limited your ability to accommodate more business and to, for growth. So I think that's really important. Anybody listening right now to roll that back for about, about three minutes back and listen to that again and hear about the cost per visit the revenue per visit. And at the end of the month, what does that mean to me? Mm -hmm. Hey, Andrew, um, can we go into talk cause and effect a little bit? Because you were one of the first people I heard bring this up. Um, It's getting more play now, which I love. Yet you were one of the first people. um, I know you have a blog post out there on your blog at, uh, just a quick plug for Andrew, it's PT Clinic Metrics dot com. And he's got a blog I would highly recommend. I read it. I would highly recommend you uh, sign up, sign up for his blog and get those. They're short, they're sweet, they're to the point. And um, remember the cause and effect blog. So can you address that a little bit from this metrics conversation we're having?
1: Well, you know, it's funny because it, that cause and effect first started with the marketing but you can look at almost every aspect of your practice. I mean, you can, you can look at patient care as the cause and effect, but you know, what is, what is a cause? What is the effect in, in very simple, just example, like we used a few minutes ago. Cause you don't have enough patients in the door. The effect is you're not going to have the revenue cause you're, you're not getting, uh, new patients in the door effect, you need to pick up more marketing. And, you know, it, it, it's great because Paul Goff and I sat down and, and just brainstormed one day in my office, and this is where it kind of came out. And then you, Jerry, you heard it, and we've kind of built it up from there. It, it's, it's something that a lot of people just fail to put the two aspects together. and. You know, e- again, even as a patient treatment, what's the cause? You, you, they come in with a knee sprain. Well, what's the cause? Is it, is it they sprain their knee playing soccer or is it they got a weak hip? Well, what's going to be the effect? They got a weak hip. They're going to have a bad knee. And, and I think therapists as general, they don't think enough of that cause and effect in their business. We, we, we do it every day when we treat patients. Or at least we try to. And it's something that I've hammered every day to my staff. Look above and below. Look at the joint above and below. Look at how the kinetic chain is working because that is a cause and an effect. Use the same mentality when it comes to run your business. Again, we're not running a practice. We're running a business. And in all aspects of that business, you need to start to look at the cause and the effect. If you have multiple clinics and one clinic is not operating efficiently, what's the cause? Cause is going to most likely be the manager of that clinic, either is not a fully trained manager or they're just not capable. Three reasons people fail, leadership, incompetence, or personal issues. So look to see what's the cause. Most likely, that's a leadership issue. Now you have to go back and look at yourself. (laughs) <laughs> as, as a, a leader issue, but go back in that, that, that practice where that manager is not working efficiently. Go back and retrain the manager. Now look at the cause and the effect again. Manager's there. We've changed his leadership skills. What's the new effect? Has he, has he become more a profitable practice? So he, we could break it down into, again, hundreds of scenarios, yeah. but in general, that's the cause and effect ratio.
0: Yeah. It's uh, I think this is the biggest take home from this podcast because by the word, by the way, even if you're don't own a business or want to own a business, what you just heard about treating patients is huge. And, um, you know, yeah, it's uh, just to run another scenario. I love the scenario of I need more new patients and then you dig, right? Well, why? Right. Right. Well, Well, what's the effect you're looking at? You know, well, I'm looking at my bottom line, my revenue, right? My, my, are my top line, my revenue is off. Okay. That's an effect. Your revenue's down now. That's an effect. Let's measure the cause. Well, I don't have enough new patients. Well, hold up. What's your new patient? Let's look at that metric, which is an effect again. Well, wait a minute. They are there and you go, okay, well maybe I was wrong. Okay. Let's dig deeper into this effect that remember started with less revenue. Now we just found you're not managing the people you have in the clinic properly. Right. Because you kept asking the question, what's the cause? And you kept going back to that next thing to see if it was affected, the metric, right? Revenue, right. new patients, no uh, visits per case. Oop, ding, 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 now let's start digging. And then you go back and you find there's one or two therapists maybe on the staff that aren't um, as adept in their communication skills and their patients are self-discharging. Now you have a cause for lost revenue. Exactly. Yeah, I just, exactly. yeah, I love that. And, to me, as a non-math guy, non-numbers guy, Andrew, it it actually makes my life easier because now I can objectify something, but now that I've objectified it, I just kind of look around the room and go, okay, cool. I got a number. But yeah. now if I know I have the better questions to ask, now I can solve problems. So that, that's, been, that's been a
1: huge awakening for me. So that's been great. And, and that's the key. The key is, is looking for the cause. And asking the questions for the effect. And like you had just brought up, okay, top line revenues off. Look at new patients. We've got the new patients. Okay, what's next? Are they coming in for their visits per deval? Yes or no? Yes, okay, great. What about charges per visit? Yes or no? What about collections per visit? Yes or no? And you start to use it and you can almost make a flow of what direction it's gonna go. And if it's a yes great. Then we need to go to the next cause. If it's a no, then stop there, fix that cause and see what happens. See the change in the bottom line. And if you still don't have enough bottom line, go back up, review that cause. What's the new effect? That's a great example.
0: And that is no different. As a Maitland trained physical therapist, that is zero difference than treating a patient. One intervention, right. right? Test, retest. That's what you just described. It's interesting how much of running a business, it's kind of, it's not scary, it's interesting as shit as someone who didn't really understand how to run a business. How much of running a business flows in from how best to treat a patient like you just
1: so well described. So just something to bring back. It, it, it is so very true. I can remember my first practice, I, I talked to a guy, business guy, and he goes, so where's your business plan? I go, my what? Yeah. Where's your business plan? I go, I don't know. I've never taken a business okay. class. Plan of care. Oh, fuck, yeah. Well, exactly. It's, it's just like the plan. We have the knowledge. Unfortunately, we as physical therapists, we're taught to think analytically. Well, it, it's the same principles. Right. It's, it's test, retest. Yeah. It's plan of care. Take those same principles, put them into how you run the business and you'll be successful. And, the, you know, the bottom line, my biggest goal, yes, I'm a physical therapist. And, and I've, I've known since high school I wanted to be a physical therapist. But I'm an entrepreneur business person. So I've, I've got conflicting sides. i got my physical therapy side. i got my entrepreneurial business person side. But where they mesh together is I want more successful private practices because that leads to the success of physical therapy as a whole. And when we've got hospitals that do crap-ass care, when we've got large companies that do crap-ass care, what does that do when we've got chiropractors that do physical therapy care? Sorry, any chiropractors and you guys. You know, I, I love you guys still. But we there are, there are chiropractors that call themselves physical therapists. So all the guys in Paul's group, we'll, we'll have this conversation <laughs> offline. But anyways, you know, I, I, and, and again, I, nothing against chiropractors. I love chiropractors. I work with a lot of them. But they, physical therapists do the same thing. We, we tend to verge into other people's boundaries. But to get back to what I was yeah. talking about, um, you, you know, the, the thing is, if we want private practice to succeed and we want physical therapy to be a profession that is looked upon as a quality aspect to returning patients to life, it's up to us as a good solid private practice owner to build that base because the hospitals are not gonna do it, the multinational companies with zillions, hundreds of thousands of patients sit through the door because they've got 1500 outpatient clinics, they're not gonna do it. It's up to us as private practice owners to build up and grow a private practice, so PT is successful. That's my soapbox.
0: Amen, amen. I think that's a great spot to end. And add, of course, I always gotta add, but that's a great spot to end, Andrew. And add, if you start little Jerry Durham out in the middle of nowhere, if I start this business like you have described so well during this podcast, then I am now setting myself up to be part of a solution And then possibly grow and grow and grow into something bigger that can continue to deliver a solution without having to join a hospital, join one of the large national chains, um, any of those things. Yet, I will tell you the take home from this, you have to go back and listen again to all those things Andrew said, because if you little Joe Schmo out in the middle of nowhere don't start with this foundation. You will, not, you, you will not be on the path to success. If you do, you are setting yourself up for success. Yeah. Andrew, where, um, where can people find you? Where's the best place to find you so that they can talk more metrics and have a conversation with you about how to set that foundation to be a successful business owner? And if there are in business, how to start measuring these numbers
1: yesterday? Sure. Uh, best place, Go to my website, www.ptclinicmetrics.com. Drop me an email, andrew at ptclinicmetrics.com. I tend to uh, be on Instagram a little bit, tend to blow things out on Twitter a little bit. I'm not, I'm not a, a, a Twitterite like Jerry, but I'm out there here and there. Um, Instagram, I'm on Facebook, ptclinicmetrics on Facebook. Uh, reach out or check out my, my practice itself into PT. That's www.intecorept.com. real quick. People say, well, in a core, where does that come from? It's a combination of two words, integrity and core values, core love values it. in love that. the care we provide, the core values in how we treat our employees. So intocore
0: i actually i actually see more of your intercourse stuff on instagram so if you guys want to see how practice what you just heard described not from the clinical side runs you can all you see on instagram is all the um, happy patients and exercise programs and stuff and i love the instagram page so i recommend following in instagram page so thank you greatly andrew this is a much needed um, discussion in healthcare and physical therapy practice i think your take home at the end your what you called your soapbox was exactly why you were on this podcast and exactly why people should stay in touch with you so i appreciate your time and uh you have a great day my man
1: thanks jerry i appreciate it and uh anytime i can help please let me know cool bye-bye
0: Bye. thanks all for listening Thank you for listening to this episode of the healthcare disruption podcast. If you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes and write us a review. We'd love to uh, see your thoughts and opinions on this. And uh, if you really like what you heard, then why don't you subscribe so you make sure and get the uh, latest notifications every time we post a new episode. If you want to stay in touch with Jerry, make sure and head on over to jerrydurhampt.com and click on the stay in contact button. And I tend to hang out on Instagram at Jerry Durham PT and Facebook at Jerry Durham PT. Thank you for listening. And we look forward to seeing you again. Bye-bye.